0: CHAPTERS 1 THROUGH 8 OF THE TREATISE ON PURGATORY. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY ANNE BOULET. TREATISE ON PURGATORY BY ST. Catherine OF GENOA. CHAPTERS 1 THROUGH 8. CHAPTER I. STATE OF THE SOULS IN PURGATORY, HOW THEY ARE FREE FROM ALL SELF-LOVE This holy soul, yet in the flesh, found herself placed in the purgatory of God's burning love, which consumed and purified her from whatever she had to purify, in order that after passing out of this life, she might enter at once into the immediate presence of God, her beloved. By means of this furnace of love, she understood how the souls of the faithful are placed in purgatory to get rid of all the rust and stain of sin that in this life was left unpurged. As she, plunged in the divine furnace of purifying love, was united to the object of her love, and satisfied with all that he wrought in her, so she understood it to be with the souls in purgatory, and said, The souls in purgatory, as far as I can understand the matter, cannot but choose to be there, and this by God's ordinance, who has justly decreed it so. They cannot reflect within themselves and say, I have done such and such sins, for which I deserve to be here. Nor can they say, Would that I had not done them, that now I might go to paradise. Nor yet say, That soul is going out before me. Nor, I shall go out before him. They can remember nothing of themselves or others, whether good or evil, which might increase the pain they ordinarily endure. They are so completely satisfied with what God has ordained for them, that he should be doing all that pleases him, and in the way it pleases him, that they are incapable of thinking of themselves, even in the midst of their greatest sufferings they behold only the goodness of god whose mercy is so great in bringing men to himself that they cannot see anything that may affect them whether good or bad if they could they would not be in pure charity they do not know that their sufferings are for the sake of their sins nor can they keep in view the sins themselves for in doing so, there would be an act of imperfection, which could have no place where there can be no longer any possibility of actually sinning. Once, in passing out of this life, they perceived why they have their purgatory, but never afterwards, otherwise, self would come in. Abiding then in charity, and not being able to deviate therefrom by any real defect, they have no will, no desire, nothing but the will of pure love they are in that fire of purgatory by the appointment of god which is all one with pure love and they cannot in anything turn aside from it because as they can no more merit so they can no more sin chapter two the joy of the souls in purgatory the saint shows how they are ever seeing god more and more difficulty in speaking of their condition i do not believe it would be possible to find any joy comparable to that of a soul in purgatory except the joy of the blessed in paradise a joy that goes on increasing day by day as god more and more flows in upon the soul which he does abundantly in proportion as every hindrance to his entrance is consumed away the hindrance is the rust of sin the fire consumes the rust and thus the soul goes on laying itself open to the divine inflowing. It is as with a covered object. The object cannot respond to the rays of the sun, not because the sun ceases to shine, for it shines without intermission, but because the covering intervenes. Let the covering be destroyed. Again the object will be exposed to the sun, and will answer to the rays which beat against it in proportion as the work of destruction advances. Thus the souls are covered by a rust, that is, sin, which is gradually consumed away by the fire of purgatory. The more it is consumed, the more they respond to God, their true son. Their happiness increases as the rust falls off, and lays them open to the divine ray. And so their happiness grows greater as the impediment grows less, till the time is accomplished. The pain, however, does not diminish but only the time of remaining in that pain. As far as their will is concerned, these souls cannot acknowledge the pain as such. So completely are they satisfied with the ordinance of God, so entirely is their will one with it in pure charity. On the other hand, they suffer a torment so extreme that no tongue could describe it, no intellect could form the least idea of it, if God had not made it known by special grace. Which idea, however, God's grace has shown my soul, but I cannot find words to express it with my tongue, yet the sight of it has never left my mind. I will describe it as I can. They will understand it whose intellect the Lord has vouchsafed to open. Chapter 3. Separation from God is the greatest punishment of purgatory, wherein purgatory differs from hell all the pains of purgatory take their rise from sin original or actual god created the soul perfectly pure and free from every spot of sin with a certain instinctive tendency to find its blessedness in him from this tendency it is drawn away by original sin and still more by the addition of actual sin and the farther off it gets the more wicked it becomes because it is less in conformity with god things are good only so far as they participate in god to irrational creatures god communicates himself without fail as he wills and as he has determined to the rational soul more or less according as he finds it purified from the impediment of sin so that When a soul is approaching to that state of first purity, and innocence which it had when created, the instinctive desire of seeking happiness in God develops itself, and goes on increasing through the fire of love, which draws it to its end with such impetuosity and vehemence, that any obstacle seems intolerable, and the more clear its vision, the more extreme its pain. Now because the souls in purgatory are without the guilt of sin, there is nothing to stand between god and them except the punishment which keeps them back and prevents this instinct from attaining its perfection and from their keenly perceiving of what moment it is to be hindered even in the least degree and yet that justice most strictly demands a hindrance there springs up within them a fire like that of hell they have not the guilt of sin and it is this latter which constitutes the malignant will of the damned, who are excluded from sharing in the goodness of God, and therefore remain in that hopeless malignity of will, by which they oppose the will of God. Chapter 4 State of the Souls that are in Hell, and the Difference there is between them and those in Purgatory, Reflections of the Saint upon those who neglect their Salvation. From what has been said, it is clear that the guilt of sin consists in the perverse opposition of the will to the will of God, and that so long as the will continues thus evilly perverse, the guilt will continue. For those then, in hell, who have departed this life with an evil will, there is no remission of sin, neither can be, because there can be no more change of will. In passing out of this life, the soul is fixed for good or evil, according to its deliberate purpose at the time, as it is written, Where shall I find thee? That is, at the hour of death, with a will either to sin or sorry for sin and penitent. There will I judge thee. And this judgment is final, because after death the will can never again be free but must remain fixed in the condition in which it was found at the moment of death. The souls in hell having been found at the moment of death, with a will to sin, have with them an infinite degree of guilt, and the punishment they suffer, though less than they deserve, is yet, so far as it exists, endless. But the souls in purgatory have only the punishment for sin, and not its guilt, for the guilt was effaced at the moment of death, in that they were found then deploring their sins and penitent for having offended the divine goodness. So their punishment has a limit, and goes on diminishing in duration, as has been said. O mercy above every mercy, and so much the greater because men in their blindness consider it so little. The punishment of the damned is not, indeed, infinite in amount, for the sweet goodness of God sheds the rays of his mercy even in hell. A man who has died in mortal sin deserves a punishment infinite in pain and infinite in duration. But God, in his mercy, has made it infinite only in duration and has limited the amount of pain. He might most justly have given them a far greater punishment than he has. Oh, how perilous is a sin committed through malice! For hardly does a man repent of it, and not repenting, his guilt remains, and will remain, so long as there is any affection for the sin committed, or any purpose of committing it afresh. Chapter 5 The Peace and Joy of Purgatory The souls in purgatory having their wills perfectly conformed to the will of God, and hence partaking of his goodness, remain satisfied with their condition, which is one of entire freedom from the guilt of sin for when they passed out of this life penitent with all their sins confessed and resolved to sin no more god straightway pardoned them and now they are as pure as when they were created the rust of sin alone is left and this they get rid of by the punishment of fire cleansed thus from all sin and united in will to god they see god clearly according to the degree of light he imparts to them They are conscious too what a thing it is for them to enjoy God, that for this very end souls were created. Again, there is in them a conformity of will so uniting them to God, so drawing them to him through that natural instinct whereby God is, as it were, bound up with the soul, that no description, no figure, no example can give a clear idea of it as it is actually felt and apprehended by inward consciousness nevertheless i will mention something like it which suggests itself to me chapter six comparison to explain the impetuosity in love by which the souls in purgatory desire to enjoy god let us suppose that there existed in the world but one loaf of bread to satisfy the hunger of every creature and that the mere sight of it could do this In such a case a man, having naturally, if in good health, a desire for food, would find himself, so long as he was kept from dying or falling sick, getting more and more hungry, for his craving would continue undiminished. He would know that the bread, and nothing but the bread, could satisfy him, and not being able to reach it, would remain in intolerable pain. The nearer he got to the bread without seeing it, the more ardently would he crave for it, and would direct himself wholly towards it, as being the only thing which could afford relief. And if he were assured that he never could see the bread, he would have within him a perfect hell, and become like the damned, who are cut off from all hope of ever seeing God their Savior, who is the true bread. The souls in purgatory, on the other hand, hope to see that bread, and satiate themselves to the full therewith, Whence they hunger and suffer pain, as great as will be their capacity of enjoying that bread, which is Jesus Christ the true God, our Savior and our love. Chapter 7 The Wonderful Wisdom of God in the Invention of Purgatory and Hell As the soul cleansed and purified, finds no place wherein to rest but God, this being its end by creation so the soul in a state of sin finds no place for it but hell this being its end by the appointment of god no sooner then does the soul leave the body in mortal sin than it goes straight to hell as to its allotted place with no other guide than the nature of sin and should a soul not find itself thus prevented by the justice of god but excluded altogether from his appointment it would endure a still greater hell for god's appointment partakes of his mercy and is less severe than the soul deserves as it is the soul finding no place suited to it nor any lesser pain provided for it by god casts itself into hell as into its proper place thus with regard to purgatory when the soul leaves the body and finds itself out of that state of purity in which it was created seeing the hindrance and that it can only be removed by purgatory without a moment's hesitation it plunges therein and were there no such means provided to remove the impediment it would forthwith beget within itself a hell worse than purgatory because by reason of this impediment it would see itself unable to reach god its last end and this hindrance would be so full of pain that in comparison with it purgatory though as i have said it be like hell WOULD NOT BE WORTH A THOUGHT, BUT BE EVEN AS NOTHING. CHAPTER Eight: THE NECESSITY OF PURGATORY AND HOW TERRIBLE IT IS. AGAIN I SAY THAT, ON GOD'S PART, I SEE PARADISE HAS NO GATE, BUT THAT WHOSOEVER WILL MAY ENTER THEREIN. FOR GOD IS ALL MERCY AND STANDS WITH OPEN ARMS TO ADMIT US TO HIS GLORY. BUT STILL I SEE THAT THE BEING OF GOD IS SO PURE far more than one can imagine, that should a soul see in itself even the least mote of imperfection, it would rather cast itself into a thousand hells, than go with that spot into the presence of the divine majesty. Therefore, seeing purgatory ordained to take away such blemishes, it plunges therein, and deems it a great mercy that it can thus remove them. No tongue can express, no mind can understand, how dreadful is purgatory. Its pain is like that of hell. And yet, as I have said, I see any soul with the least stain of imperfection accepted as a mercy, not thinking it of any moment when compared with being kept from its love. It appears to me that the greatest pain the souls in purgatory endure proceeds from their being sensible of something in themselves displeasing to God, and that it has been done voluntarily against so much goodness, or being in a state of grace they know the truth and how grievous is any obstacle which does not let them approach god End of chapters one through eight